Hi, and welcome to another episode of Red Talks. You're listening to Nathan Pierce, and with me for the second time, I have Michael O'Leary. Michael, say hi to our guests. Hello, everyone. Hopefully you saw the first uh, episode, and I'm back. Michael, it's great to have you on again, and um, it was really interesting last time talking to you about some of the cultural changes that an organization needs to go to to adopt automation. So, you know, taking people out on those certain checks and processes uh, to make sure that things are done safely, but also without having to wait for people to do those things. Um, so that was some great insight and some great tips you provided on like how to get started. But um, we, you've, we've got you back on this time because we're going to get a little more deeper and actually start looking at some some of the tools that you use and how you're using them to create a, a self-service model for your internal customers within your organization. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So the background of this is the company that I work at uh, believes in automation, but we also have found that when we automate something, we need a way to govern that automation. And there's a couple of examples that come to mind and probably happen in every corporation. I get requested all the time to deploy SSL certificates, even though that's something that anyone can do, people forget how to do it. Um, so they need an easy way. Um, I also get asked all the time to create HTTP redirects. So I've automated a way to do that. Um, and then my third example that I um, hope to demo today is um, something that we can all relate to. It's a URL shortener tool. And I created this little tool mostly for fun, but it allows someone to create a short URL and uh, be re redirected to a very long URL, very much like when you're reading a tweet in Twitter and you see a shortened URL and you get redirected to a long URL that wouldn't fit in the tweet. Uh, the reason I'm going through this is there are three sort of tools that I've done. One, I've automated the uh, URL shortening, but then secondly, I've orchestrated that uh, automation, meaning I have um, called that automation from a tool outside of in this case, the F5, where the redirect happens. Um, and then I've presented that in a web portal or a self-service catalog is the industry term for end users. So we sort of have those three levels, the automation itself, calling the automation from somewhere else, and then presenting that orchestration through a web portal. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, while that might seem like a fairly trivial task, just a URL shortener, um, Actually, you use the same kind of processes to automate most things. I mean, you're you're taking an input from a, a very simple self-service portal, and then you're taking that information, you're touching multiple products and multiple technologies. And not only is that taking you out of the loop of a few things, but it's allowing people to go and self-serve and to, to continue on with their workday without having to stop what they're doing, wait for you to do something, and then pick up where they left off before. So, I mean, it, it's a trivial task, but you, you apply the same logic and the same thinking, don't you, to, to this process as you would for, for even more complicated um, automation. You always start with automating the small pieces and then you can start joining those pieces together until you've automated a much larger process. So um, yeah, I think this is actually a great starting point, just a nice simple demo like this. So um, yeah, show us how it works. Um, cool. So I'll go ahead and share my screen. Let me know when you can see it. Uh, so first of all, I'll demonstrate what happens with this, uh, this URL shortener tool. I'm going to log into our self-service catalog. This is a tool called vRealize 
automation. It's from VMware and it's a user front-end portal. So a user would come into our organization, log into their portal, and be presented with automations that are um, based on their Active Directory groups. So we're using this tool, Derealize Automation, to govern the automations that are available to them. They're going to click on uh, this catalog tab, and they're going to see um, some automations that I've built ahead of time. I've got this create DNS record. That's a, a web front end to a job that just creates a, an A record in InfoBlocks, which is our corporate DNS server. I have this manage URL redirects, a tiny URL generator, and a uh, SSL certificate um, generator. So um, in fact, let's use the the manage URL redirects um, as an example. If I click on this request button, I'm asked for a couple of things here. Uh, firstly, um, do I want to uh, edit an existing one or create a new one? I'm not the world's best graphic designer, so don't judge me on this. I'm gonna click, yes, I wanna create a new one. And then I see two more fields that show up to me and they say redirect from and redirect to. So I'm going to put in a, an easy to remember URL here. Um, let me make it um, Nathan and redirect to. I'm going to say redirect to. Have you got any ideas of where we might want to redirect to? You can use redtalks.live, the host for these conversations once we've recorded them. Okay, and I'm going to hit submit. The request has been submitted successfully and as an end user, I just hit okay. Now, I'm going to open up a new uh, tab here. When you log into the portal, you're authenticated and authorized to see automations or workflows, we call them, that we've written and um, to use the be realized term entitlements that are attached to those workflows and entitlements um, are the way you govern who can see what workflows. Okay. Our uh, Palo Alto firewall works very well. Let's continue and we get <laughs> redirected to Red Talks Live. So you saw how that worked. Um, so I appreciate you showing us the uh, internal customers view of, of how to stitch that together. But um, if you could go into a bit more detail for us now, like like how many different technologies and products did that, um, what appeared to be very simple workflow actually touch in the back end? That's a great question. Um, I'd say three or four technologies. So first of all, um, many people watching this vlog will be familiar with an F5 appliance. So the first thing I'll do is uh, show you an F5 I rule that makes a lot of this possible. Um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen for one second. So I have here a presentation that I've, I've written um, outlining some automation that I've done with VRealize Automation and VRealize Orchestrator. I've talked about what defines a private cloud. 
And what is the vRealize suite? And I'm gonna skip through some of this for um, the purpose of, uh, of time, but let's talk about a RESTful API. What is REST? It's a common protocol for APIs on many of your infrastructure devices. And it's something that all DevOps engineers should be familiar with. There are HTTP methods. Everyone should know post, get, put, and delete, and what those methods do. So I'll skip past that, but if you don't know, do some research on the site. Uh, today's examples, um, I've often done backup and restore via REST. Um, and I can also migrate some machines between subnets. But um, let's talk about REST. This is how you um, format REST commands. And um, there's a diagram that I want to show you, and that's this one here. You can get a free REST client. I'm using Postman. And you send a REST message over HTTP to your F5 clients. And that's what I'm doing. That's, you asked before, what is the first piece of technology that we have to automate? And that's the F5. I have, a, I have an I rule that's on the F5, but I'm updating F5 via uh, a REST message. So anything you can do by the command, by the GUI, you can do by the command line. And anything you can do by the command line, you can do via REST in F5. So once you've automated something with a free REST client, uh, you might want to productionalize that automation in a bit more of a robust way. So when you're working for a corporation, you can't just use free tools because you might not have support um, or they might not be disaster recovery compliant. So we have a tool, we use vRealize Orchestrator. So that's this middle icon here that I'm showing. And that's the REST client in this case. Um, that's where the REST message is sent from. And you use the language of JavaScript to automate workflows in vRealize Orchestrator. But vRealize Orchestrator is just a, a Java client. It's a, it's a server that's accessed by a Java client. It's really not user friendly. So you need in front of that a web interface that end users can um, see a catalog of pre-scripted automations. And that's where vRealize Automation comes in. So you can see that left-hand uh, icon there vRealize Automation is a web front end. It uh, presents or exposes workflows that you have written in vRealize Orchestrator, and those orchestration jobs might do anything. In this case, I'm sending a REST message to F5's um, API, but I can also send a REST message to my InfoBlocks device, um, and there's a lot of plugins for other common infrastructure technologies in your corporation. Um, you can get very complex if you'd like. I have rolled back um, and deleted machines and I have uh, worked on workflows that require some complex um, error handling, that sort of thing. But let me um, stop sharing uh, the presentation for now and I'll shoot back to um, the example at hand. So you asked what's the central piece of um, technology to make this work. I'm going to log into my F5 appliance. Most of you are familiar with how F5 works. I have uh, a dev device here. Um, and you can see that I have a, um, an iRule uh, with a data group. I've got a data group that I've called tinyurl. And um, I've got another data group that I have called redirects or moved. This entry here, Nathan, and then HTTP redtalks.live, this was added via REST. So let's look at how we can do that with a free REST client. I've got Postman ready to go here. If I send a REST request to my F5 appliance, 
and make the method a get, I can get the records in a data group back via REST, via in, in JSON. If I send a put or post request, I can add to that data group. So that's one thing I'm doing. I can do it here manually using Postman, but then once I've worked out how to do it using Postman, I can uh, productionalize it by putting it into vRealize Orchestrator. So I have a job here in vRealize Orchestrator. You can see how many times I've failed running this as I was learning how to do it. I have uh, a small script here, and I have said, run a REST command. Here's the URI I want you to use. And I've got some variables. I've got what I've called a data group scope and a data group name. They're values that I pass to this workflow. Um, and then I uh, send a REST request. Um, and then I've done a few things to make this job reusable. So I don't hard code the name of the data group because uh, I want to use this, this job again or its workflow again. Um, and I've tried to make my workflow uh, work, whether or not I'm going to add a record to the data group, delete a record, just view the records, or edit a record. So the change, retrieve, update, delete, the CRUD matrix, I try to think about that every time I create a reusable uh, workflow. So now let's look at this um, slide here. I can start to introduce more technologies. I can send a REST request to Infoblox, my DNS server. And that's what I'm doing in this example. So to pull the curtains back and show how the magic works, a user will log into vRealize Automation and based on their Active Directory credentials, which they've used to log into, the, the portal will understand who they are and it will present them with a list of automations in their personalized service catalog. One of those will be, hey, create a new HTTP redirect in the organization because I want the finance team to just type in finance and hit enter into their browser and then they're going to get taken to ourbankingonline.com. And how do we have a, a central way to manage those, um, those redirects? Well, I thought, I know, I'll create one DNS record and it's moved internal.id and it points to one IP address which is a virtual server on the F5 appliance. That IP address has a HTTP or that virtual server, an HTTP profile and an iRule attached and the iRule says when HTTP request is received look up a data group and if the URI or the host header matches a value in this data group, send them a 301 redirect where the value or the location in the 301 redirect is the matching value in the data group list. After I do that, I create a DNS record in InfoBlox. And so in the example here where I created a uh, shortcut called nathan.internal.id, I send a message to InfoBlox and I say, create a CNAME record. The value is nathan.gmo.tld and the canonical name is moved.internal.id. 
all of a sudden a user has a DNS record created. It's really easy because it's a C name that points to the same thing every time. And then all of my internal redirects are stored in one data group, which is on the F5. Um, and I can edit them or delete them as well using the automation. So this diagram here is a sort of a nice representation of how this whole thing is put together. Um, here's why it's important because the whole idea of this automation is to make sure that engineers like myself aren't bugged for small level one tasks. So things like, hey, can I create a redirect? Can I set up a, a new virtual server? We want to offload that as much as possible. But if I just automate the easy things, then when a user comes back to me and says, you know what, I made a typo, can you edit that? They're going to have to come to me. So I have to make sure that they can edit anything. And if they can add something, they need to be able to delete it. And of course, you need to be careful when you're doing things like deleting DNS records. You want to really make sure that the user knows what they're doing. And maybe you want to be careful you don't have any infinite loops or anything like that when you're dealing with DNS. So there's definitely some productionalizing of the automation that you need to do. But this is a simple sort of example that's easy for us to understand, I think, of how you've got sort of three levels. You've got the automation that you're doing. You've got how you're going to call that automation remotely. And then you've got how you're going to present it to the user. I haven't always been successful in pushing the work back to users, but it does help me do it a lot quicker because I actually use my own automations too. So people ask me for SSL certificates all the time. And I used to bring up the little MNC in, in um, Microsoft Windows and fill out requests for certificates. And now I have a little form that's a web form and it has the important fields that I know I need to do and everything else I've got defaults in the background. Um, and it emails me um, my, my certificate and then I often just forward that email to the user. So, I mean, life's not perfect. It would be great if end users use the automation completely themselves, but it helps either way. Here's another example that I thought was really interesting. I was asked to go through our InfoBlox appliance. And we have, let's say, three or 4,000 DNS records. I don't remember exactly how many, but there were, it was in the thousands. And we, wanted, we found an issue with automation when we're deploying machines. So one of the things we do in private clouds is we deploy machines, and we expire them, and we de delete them. And when you delete a machine, you often delete its DNS record. And we were finding an issue with case sensitivity and InfoBlox. And we presented, we got a report, um, which you can actually do in Excel or you can do by REST. And it turns out that, let's say, a couple of hundred DNS records had capital letters or a mixture of capital letters and lowercase letters. And that was because people manually used the web interface to add DNS records. And someone said, well, Michael, can you go through every DNS record and make sure that they're all lowercase? And you can imagine that that would be very error prone, not to mention frustrating. Um, so, you know, the reason why that comes to mind when you talked about um, the benefits of automation are not just time saving, but also some level of audit trail. If I had done that manually, I probably would have made a typo and ruined a DNS record at least once or twice. But I was able to run a report to say, here are all the DNS records. Then I was able to write some little automation, which basically said, get a DNS record, change all the letters to lowercase and edit it. It was a couple of years ago, I forget the exact automation, but it's pretty easy, you get the point. Uh, and then run a report, um, and that was all part of the same automation, and just report on the number of DNS records and all of the existing DNS records. So um, not just for time saving, but also for the, having an audit trail and having logs, we find automation really helpful. 
So that was another lesson I learned, you know, uh, failure and how to roll back from a failure condition, the importance of logging, you learn really quickly, um, and reusable code, of course, too. I'm, all things we've, we've talked about before, but you don't learn these things until you try it. So I just want to add a little context there for any of our listeners who maybe not familiar with the FI Big IP. So Big IP is an application proxy. Um, so it's just between a client and server communication. And and I will sit in the data plane of that proxy. So you can tap into events, for example, when HTTP request comes in, I want you to look for X, change it to Y, or maybe look for X and redirect it to Z. And you can be very uh, clever in how you add that scripting into the data plane. So it's a very powerful feature. So what we're doing here, the, the data group concept, what we're saying is when the HTTP request comes in, we're going to perform a lookup in the data group. And if the HTTP request is coming to a destination that has an entry in the data group, we want to look up what the actual destination it should be. So the matching field, in our case, it was Nathan redirected to redtalks.live, and then it would automatically process that inline and redirect to the right location. So um, yeah, that's what's going on there. We're using, uh, we're using the big F5 big IP, but we're using a couple of different elements. We're using an iRule, which is doing a lookup to a table, which is called the data group. And the data group was being populated, as, as Michael explained before, by um, a REST transaction they put so it was posting to this data group via the um vro uh orchestrator that um that was being pushed by the self-service portal that was vra uh, and that process at the same time it's also updating a dns record in infoblox so there's a couple of different things going on there but to the person using the system they don't need the domain specific expertise to understand how to use a big ip they don't even need to know what a data group is or an i rule all of those things that the uh, clever big ip administrators know about hasn't needed to be uh, taught to anyone else within the organization so that they can still gain the benefits of that powerful scripting language. Here's another great example. In multiple organizations that I've worked in, the database administrators, the DBAs, don't have access to the DNS system, but they do have full control over SQL. And so database administrators will say, hey, I've just started up SQL, but I want to refer to this as a different name, so I need an SPN or I need a DNS record, or I need you to create a computer object in Active Directory to represent a cluster. And if you're not familiar with SQL Server, it's okay, because we can always find examples where someone needs something that they don't have the ability to do, but it's a very easy one-line script to run. And you might want to give them the ability to do it without giving them domain admin rights in Active Directory, or without giving them full admin rights in InfoBlocks in your DNS system. So I've created a, uh, a small web portal where a DBA can come in and only a DBA and they can create a DNS record, but they can't do it in InfoBlox. They can just do it through my web portal, which means it's logged and it only deals with A records. It doesn't do any other type of records. They can't delete any records, etc. Um, I've also done that for SPN. So I've allowed some people in the organization the ability to create SPNs without giving them um, domain admin rights in the domain. Um, and what was the other example? Oh, creating computer objects. That's another thing where you need domain admin rights, but you can do that. Anything in Microsoft's world, you can do by PowerShell. So if you can do it by PowerShell, then you can automate it. 
then you can call that automation, then you can present that automation. That's something really important you just mentioned there, the, the role-based access control. And I think something that um, maybe there's a fear that stall people from getting into automation is, is how can they manage that security because they're opening up the keys to the kingdom there by, by giving people more access um, to, to affect things that might be in the data plane or, or production systems. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge that um, actually by providing them a self-service portal, that abstraction alone is a huge amount of access control in itself. Because if I've provided a portal like you did in, in VRA and you give your internal customers access to that so that they can add in the before and after URL for the redirect, well, you can do that without giving them a login to your big IP device that's in the middle of the data plane processing traffic, which means you no longer have that problem of first giving them a login, being worried that you haven't locked their account down sufficiently so that they can't damage other things or other features or processes on the box. And also having to then be concerned about training them to make sure that when they log in, they navigate to the right section of the device and they're, they're affecting the right things. Whereas what you've done here by just by creating that self-service portal, they don't have a login to the box at all. They only need to have a login to that portal where they can create the change they want. And the process in the back end is what you only have to ensure has the right access to the right objects, which in this case was the populating of that data group, you know, putting in the, the two fields, the, the have to, what to match and what to change to afterwards. So, so I think that's something really important to consider that um, creating these kind of self-service portals actually eliminates a lot of the uh, role-based access control, granular, uh, like fine-grained access control that people would have needed if they're actually um, giving people direct access to devices. So, well, I'm, we, we kind of out of time. We're running a little bit over this week. So, um, I again, I really appreciate you um, spending some time with us again, Michael. You've got great insights there. So thank you for that. Um, so once again, uh, listeners, hope you've enjoyed this, learned from this. You've been listening to Nathan Pierce hosting Red Talks here, and uh, that's me, and the other guy, Michael, Michael O'Leary. So um, thanks again, Michael, and everyone else. Thanks for listening. Bye.